Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Hello and welcome to Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you once again by undergaslitlamp.com. We're back for a mid-international break, bit of Villa chat, as we'll be discussing the club's latest international hero, reflecting on the first three quarters of the season and maybe looking ahead to our hopes for the last ten games, as well as, of course, Sunday's clash with Fulham. Today... I'm delighted once again to be joined by Craig. Hello, Craig. Hello, Andy. Nice to be back um, in the pod seat. Looking forward to talking all things AVFC in this smooth international break. (laughs) Great great to have you back on, Craig. And uh, Yeah, it's a bit of a tricky one because obviously, you know, there's no game to really reflect on. Um, But we've we've got some, some... you know, a few little little issues to kind of reflect on through the season, throughout the season, and and we'll we'll work our way through that. Um, so that's good. But we we've really it's only right and proper that we start with Ollie Watkins, um, who of course made his in England debut last Thursday night at Wembley against San Marino. It's just so good to see him um, achieve becoming an international firstly, and and then, but then to to score that goal, and it, you know it was a it was a very good finish. I, I thought probably wouldn't have had that amount of time in the Premier League, but um, he took it really well, and he, he looked absolutely over the moon and quite emotional afterwards. Um, what was your your reaction to to Ollie Watkins and uh, and and his debut, and and just the the Watkins? How it fits into the Watkins story generally? Oh, I think it's 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 such a beautiful story. I think that we've spoken in the last couple of weeks about how Aston Villa and the players have gone. You know, lots of them have gone really from rags to riches, and you know, the likes of Tyrone Mings uh, from Chippenham Town to England international, and now uh, Ollie Watkins uh, from uh, Western Supermare and Exeter City to England international goal scoring England in England international. So. I think, you know, us as Villa fans, we're just in- incredibly proud. And I think uh, Ollie Watkins is the perfect symbol of, of Aston Villa. You know, we've kind of come from the depths of hell <laughs> under Zia and Wynas and Bruce um, uh, to, to the promised land, you know, top half of the Premier League. And um, and Ollie Watkins has, has, has come from the bench in Western Supermare to scoring on his England debut. So... I think we're just all incredibly proud. I think that Ollie Watkins said himself in his interview last week that he was really um, surprised this international call-up came so soon. Um, but I think that, you know, not to break my arm, pat myself on the back, I think, you know, I may have suggested <laughs> that this could happen. Um, just really based on on the injuries as well, you know, with, with Tammy Abraham out of uh out of form and out of favour at Chelsea as well as having picked up an injury Uh, Danny Ings also out of form and and injured Um, it was always going to be a toss up there between Bamford and and Watkins and as I've said before I think Watkins has a higher ceiling than Bamford Bamford is at his absolute peak 
but there's so much more to come from Ollie Watkins and um, just super, super proud of him. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it was one of those moments where um, just great to see him run onto the field in his, in his England shirt. Um, and just desperate for him, just kind of every time the ball went near him, you're kind of motioning, aren't you, to try and go on, Ollie, go on, Ollie, yeah. <laughs> you know, get, get on that one. And when he got the ball, he got the ball out wide um, and he, he crossed he crossed in the ball. I'm thinking, don't shank it, don't shank it. And he and he hits in a lovely ball for uh, Jude Bellingham. What a player he is, by the way. Goodness me. Yeah, and, oh, absolutely. Um, I think Bellingham goes for the, the acrobatic and, and skies it over the bar. But it was a lovely piece of wing play which again, feeding back into Aston Villa, that really excites me because my my new dream for the rest of the season, and we're going to talk about this later on, is I want to see the front three of Wesley in the middle, Grealish on the left and Watkins on the right. Um, I really want to see that. And just seeing, um, I was just having visions when Watkins, you know, cutting in from the right-hand side, wonderful ball into the box and big Wesley towering towering in the header into the top corner in front of the whole end which might even have a few fans in by the end of the season maybe I'm getting yeah. carried away but <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. For, for Ollie Watkins on, on, a, on a on a really serious note um, he's kind of come from nowhere you know um, I likened him his story to kind of Drogba and Ian Wright and, and Jamie Vardy just as players who really just took a bit of a long way around to, to find their way to the top of the, the league. You know, Drogba was playing in the second division of French football, I think, you know, up until he was 24, 25. Vardy, everyone knows his story. Uh, Ian Wright was playing non-league, for goodness sake, you know, before he uh, eventually made the move to Crystal Palace and then Arsenal. And these players exist. There are players out there right now that are playing in the lower leagues or playing in non-league football who have not yet found their rhythm. And um, I think so. Ollie Watkins isn't just an inspiration to us Aston Villa fans. He's an inspiration to players like that elsewhere, players who know they've got something in them and they know they can get to the higher level. And I think the hard work and the dedication and the way that he lives his life pays off. I mean, Ollie also spoke about, you know, the sacrifices that he makes, you know, not having a beer, you know, when he's over having like a big family dinner or at Christmas, you know, missing out on a glass of wine or an extra bit of pudding. He said, you know, it seems like a small thing, but it's it's hard to do. And you're, you know, and, um, you know, he's making the sacrifices that he needs to make to get himself to the next level. And he, as I've said, I think, I think he's just only going to get better. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you, you've also made that that prediction that he will he will sort of get towards twenty goals next season, which which would be incredible for for Villa. You know, to have a a twenty goal Premier League striker um, in their squad that would be that would be fantastic. I think um, so. I mean, what do I'm, you think, Andy? Do you think do you think he's going to make it into the Euro squad, Ollie Watkins, or do you think this might come too soon? Well, I was thinking about this the other day, and 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 when you look at all the options that Southgate has. It really depends on the shape of his squad. So the the, the 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 number of players he's picking for for different positions, and of course, you know the the different formations that he's intending to to play. And you know, in the past, I suppose, you know, when you were you know back in like Svenja and Eriksson's era, when he'd be picking, you know, the, the squad for essentially a four four two, we'd always expect to see at least four or five potentially five strikers in there but I don't think you'll get that now um the, the Tammy Abraham being injured might help him and being a bit out of form maybe that might help him um 
but I'd say he's probably behind, obviously Harry Kane and 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 Dominic Calvert Lewin in the, in that pecking order for a central striking role. And obviously, if Southgate wants to take three centre forwards, then he's got every chance because he's got the shirt and he's scored on his debut and he's 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 in there when it matters really. So it just depends on on whether. Southgate thinks he needs three centre forwards, or whether he'll make do with two, and 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 um, perhaps have, you know, obviously he's got his his, his wide players, so Sterling, Sancho, etc., come into the, the the forwards, don't they as well? Um, but I, as well, I, you know, I was thinking about this and may have raised this last week about Grealish. You know, as much as you know, had he been in this squad, I think he'd have been an absolute shoe-in. I do worry um, that maybe he's he's fallen behind and sometimes when you're not around, you get you get forgotten. Um, but I don't know, it just depends how much Southgate was was planning to be using Jack Grealish in the in the um, in the Euros anyway, but um, I mean, we'll, we'll obviously just have to see. What do you think? Do you think Watkins has got a chance? I, I think he's definitely got a chance. I think um, similar to what I said about Jack Grealish last week. I think now you know it's kind of going to be a ten-game shootout. You know, for these positions, players like um, Harvey Barnes, players like Ings, um, players like um, uh, James Madison, for example, who's who's really on the periphery. Um, you know. Can these players get themselves fit? Can these players get themselves firing for the last 10 games of the season? And Jack Grealish comes into that. He has got no room to sit on his uh, 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 past achievements this season, Jack Grealish. He has to come in now um, and he has to he has to hit the ground running. He needs the goals. He needs the assists. He needs to be doing Jack Grealish things. And he needs to be at his um, pre-Christmas best. He can't be playing... Uh, Jack Grealish can't be playing how he was playing after Christmas. Ollie Watkins, likewise. Ollie Watkins is going to need to score now. You'd think at least two, three, four goals in the in the league in the in next ten games to give himself a chance. Because you know for sure Ings is going to come back. For sure uh, Abraham, I don't think it doesn't seem like Tuchel fancies him. Um, so I don't. I'm not sure that, that Abraham is 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 going to go. So we'll have to see. I suppose the the, the key thing is with the England squad is. The third choice centre forward, if he does take three out and out strikers, like you were saying, Andy, is going to be a bit like the third choice goalie, because you're not necessarily going to get on the pitch, you know. If we're being frank, so what do you want then? You want someone who's going to work hard, is going to push the group, is going to be a good teammate, isn't going to be sulking around the hotel because they're not in the team. And I'm not saying that's going to that's going to be something that Ings would do. I don't know anything about Danny Ings particularly, but. For sure, you know that Ollie Watkins is going to be a good citizen. And if you need someone who's going to work hard, he's going to push the other players, he's going to have an upbeat and happy attitude around the hotel. Because these, these these guys are going to be, you know, in a, in a training camp for, for a month, six weeks, you know, not necessarily being able to see their, their families or their children and stuff like that, uh, which people don't really ever consider. But that's a big deal for people, you know, it's not it's not easy. I think people sometimes say, oh, well, they're a millionaire. It doesn't matter. No, the money doesn't matter. Of course you want to see your wife. Of course you want to see your girlfriend. Of course you want to see your kids. You might have uh, elderly parents or elderly grandparents who aren't ill. You know, th- these 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 guys are human beings anyway. And I think that Ollie Watkins is certainly this human being, as a human being, is certainly the kind of guy I think you'd want in that squad who's going to be upbeat. He's going to work hard. And he's not going to be, you know, um, causing any trouble or, or, or kicking up a stink. Yeah, and, and I mean... 
with that as well, you mentioned Jamie Vardy earlier, but I think Watkins with his pace kind of does give you that that Vardy kind of option, doesn't he? Um, off the bench, if you want to stretch a stretch a game a little bit, and he does offer something different that, that I think Danny Ings and Tammy Abraham perhaps don't offer. Um, and of course, yeah, that you know that the attitude thing will go a long way with Southgate. So there is every chance. There is every chance. Um, and we just don't know what's going to happen in the ne- in, in the next couple of months towards the end of the season. And, you know, Harry Kane could get injured. Who, who knows, you know, and then suddenly it's wide open, isn't it? Well, that's so, the thing that you can um, guarantee there will be injuries. I mean, um, yeah. you know, it's been a kind of really congested season. We've still got cup games to go. The uh, players who play in, in Europe, the schedule is still very, very heavy between now and the end of the season. So for sure, not all the players are going to be available. So obviously that's going to have a big, you know, bearing on it all, all over the pitch. And I mean, just just moving away from England slightly, you mentioned we, we talked um, a little while ago about players with a with a backstory um, coming up through the ranks, coming up through the leagues. Um, we had another goal scorer, international goal scorer the other night, uh, our, uh, the one and only meatball, Mr. John McGinn, with a beautiful overhead kick for Scotland last Thursday. And, you know, just, just got to mention him because he'll be going to the Euros for sure. And, um, you know, what a, what a summer, you know, we've got ahead, you know, potentially watching him playing for Scotland as well. When, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought up John McGinn because I've been hard on John McGinn for the last few weeks. And the reason I've been hard on him is because that's what he can do, by the way. That's what I've been crying out for, for Aston Villa. I said on the, a podcast a couple of weeks ago, I said to you guys, I said, John McGinn is, along with Jack Grealish and Tyrone Mings, they're the ones that have got these big new deals from the championship team. Those are the three kind of linchpins that, that Dean Smith and the club and Perslow have said, here's your new big money deals. You're our leaders. Mings has been keeping up his end of the bargain this season. Grealish is keeping up his end of the bargain. And I don't think John McGinn quite has. And it was that moment that confirmed it for me, that goal, uh, uh, you know, for Scotland. John McGinn has that ability to pull a rabbit out of the hat and to drag his team over the line, which he did with Scotland. You know, he's dragged them to a point just with a bit of of improvisation. We all remember the, the volley against Sheffield Wednesday. And I think there was a game in the championship season um, I want to say it was either at home to Bristol City or Nottingham Forest. They definitely played in red. <laughs> Maybe you'll remember. It was we were it's, the, the game was close. There was one goal in it, and I remember John McGinn getting the ball by our, as next to our right back, and he went on this mazy run, you know, with his backside and his shimmies and he's sprinting. And this is like the 89th, 90th minute, and he ended up. In, our, in the corner flag um, uh, on the other side of the pitch, so on the left-hand side. So he's gone from right back to kind of left wing. And then he holds the ball up in the corner and then he does a little dribble, beats two players and then has ends up having a shot on goal. Probably should have squared it to Abraham for a tap-in, but didn't. And he, and, and, and you know, Villa Park's going mad and I think I was up, up, up off my seat looking, wow, this guy. Just when we needed him, we were just under a bit of pressure He's just taken the responsibility and he's he's taken us to the other end of the pitch. He's actually nearly, you know, nearly got us a goal. And I don't think we've seen that John McGinn this season. I don't think, other than the Chelsea game and uh, I think probably Arsenal away off the top of my head, he where he's really exceptional. I just don't think we've seen that John McGinn. So I was delighted to see him again for Scotland, 
where he pops up and, and saves the day. But we've needed that from him in the last few weeks and we haven't had it. So happy for John McGinn, delighted that he is going to get, because what a great guy he is and, and delighted that another Aston Villa player is going to be, you know, heavily featured. You know, he's a starter for Scotland. He's going to be playing in the Euros and um, delighted for John McGinn, but just a little bit hopeful now that that goal will turn things around and we can see the real John McGinn for Aston Villa um, for the last 10 games of the season leading into his uh, Euro campaign with Scotland. Sure, and I think if he's um, anything like, I'm sure Watkins and 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 McGinn will come back to the group absolutely bouncing. Um, and of course, they'll be delighted to see uh, Jack Grealish um, training as well before before Sunday, but we'll, we'll get, obviously we'll get on to Sunday uh, later on. Now we just want to kind of kind of look back a little bit in the season and 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 pick out some you know some individuals for for certain praise I suppose and and we're going to just go through a couple of categories and 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 just pick out guys who we who have perhaps caught our eye or or, or alternatively you know not not so much um, and I, the first sort of you know, category that I want to I want to look at really is the negative one really, and it's it's the the player that 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 has perhaps been a bit of a disappointment, the biggest disappointment this season, the player that you expected a little bit more from, who either hasn't delivered or or hasn't just kind of kicked on as we hoped, or maybe hasn't even got the got the opportunity that we thought we thought he might, um, and I just wondered if if who who would be that 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 player for you. Um, honestly, it would probably be John McGinn. Um, I think that the John McGinn that we saw um, at the beginning of last season, and I've said it, I've said it to death now, so I'm, 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 I'm not going to belabor the point anymore. But I just don't think he's been quite the same since his ankle injury. And it's not that he's been playing badly. I don't want anyone to think, you know, that I, I. It probably sounds like I did really dislike him, but it's not. It's the opposite. I really love him. And I suppose the disappointment with John McGinn is, I just think that he had probably so much more I feel like he has so much more to give and he's just kind of playing underneath his full potential so I, I but he's probably not the biggest disappointment I am disappointed with him my my biggest disappointment would probably be Trezeguet and uh, the reason being I thought at the end of last season that he had kind of surpassed you know the the, the old Trezeguet Al Ghazi debate uh, Trezeguet really stepped up for, uh, really stepped up for us in Project Restart Scored some crucial goals, some good finishes. You know he's always going to work hard, but um, he started to show elements of the quality that he'd been missing. You know for the rest of the season, for the for the for the previous kind of <laughs> thirty games of the season, and um, you know he he showed those little flashes, and you think, oh, you know what? If 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 he can add, if he can do this across a season, there, this is this is nine ten goals he's going to get from the wing, and this is. Then we started to to think about a serious player, um, but he couldn't hit a barn door. You know, with, he hasn't been able to hit a, a barn door with a banjo. I think I'm mixing metaphors there, but he's, no, uh, that's right. Yeah. But he's uh, amazingly, yeah. It, 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 you know, it's been terrible. I mean, some of his finishing is his his rash. He's just been a bit like a headless chicken. So um, I just feel like. I'm really disappointed that he hasn't been able to kick on. I don't think he has the quality for us at this level. I think his level is probably the bottom of the Premier League, top of the Championship. And um, 
I think that um, I've said already. I think that he'll be moved along. So I'm, my biggest disappointment is is Trezeguet because I I did just think that the there could be something there with him, but I don't think there is. Yeah, I mean, I I tend to agree. I did I did write a little a bit of a piece, a bit of an article about Trezeguet, which should be out later this week, hopefully. Um, and just kind of detailing that really that. He probably did take a, a long time to adjust, and I think a few players. I don't think he was alone in that. I, I think definitely a few players, you know, took that time to adjust, and and um, you know. But we we saw after restart this, like you say, this this new Trezeguet, and it probably, you know, I always think think back to that goal um, in the semi final against Leicester as well, and you know how how he kind of wrote himself into into villa history with that goal in many ways and then of course to score the three goals which effectively gave us the points to keep us up um was 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 brilliant for him so from that point of view i i feel like he's you know i feel like I, I, he's a bit of a hero in that respect but like you say he he hasn't really kicked on he the start of the season, he looked like he might, and he was certainly a very important part of the team, which which won the four, first four games and 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 started really well. But at the same time, there was that doubt about his finishing um, and about about his general decision making. I think which 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 has has probably knocked him down, probably into into third place of those three three wide men that we have. Um, we don't include Grealish in that because he rises above <laughs> everyone, really. Um, but um, Grealish can't know, be labelled like these mere mortal footballers. <laughs> he is no, absolutely. I mean, Jack Grealish is probably the best left back at the club as well. But um, <laughs> you know, we have you know we have these three three wide men, and Trezeguet had the shirt had the shirt at the start of the season. There's no question he was he was streets ahead, um, but he's no longer streets ahead. So. Yeah, I think I think both of those. Um, you know, I, I find it hard to be disappointed with John McGinn because I just love seeing him play for us. I just <laughs> I love the too. fact that he plays for us. Um, so I'd probably go with Trezeguet. Another one I'd throw in there, and it's 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 more of a sort of hangover from the start of last season, really, and that's Bjorn Engels because. I really thought we found a player with Bjorn Engels. I really did. I thought, I thought, my goodness, this guy is going to be the next cab off the rank in terms of, you know, good quality Belgian centre backs. And I, I actually made a prediction that Tottenham would be bidding fifty million for him <laughs> at some point. But that clearly isn't going to happen. And for whatever reason, he's he's fallen out of favour. It might be nothing to do with he's had injuries. I know, um, so it's a bit harsh, maybe. But he's not. He's not played a game for over a year um, since he since the, the the game at Wembley, I, I think, or, or possibly the the Leicester game. So, you know, it's um, it's really it's really hard. And obviously, Konza has come in and and taken it onto a new level, hasn't he? And um, Engels is kind of he's there. He's on the bench. He's there if we if we need him, but. Whether we trust him or not is another matter, and and um, probably another player that that might be moved along at the end of the season. Yeah, I think you could be right. I think life and and football in particular is all about timing, and I think Engel's timing has been absolutely wretched, um, through no fault of his own. Obviously, he um, he came in 
And um, I agreed with you. You know, he looked like a, a, a Rolls Royce. I think he was doing Cruyff turns. His distribution was good. Obviously, he's a big lad, excellent in the air. You know, he, he, good in the good in the tackle, strong. Read the game really well. And then I think we saw a goal. Um, I want to say it was Southampton at home, where Shane Long is just. Uh, absolutely rinsed past him and Shane Long is a player that I think is awful apart from when he plays against Villa seemingly (laughs) (laughs) he just loves to pop up and I think Shane Long didn't I don't think he scored because Shane Long couldn't you know couldn't finish his dinner anyway and um, but but there was it it exposed a big flaw in in Engels and then actually I think that um, because the team were a little bit shaky anyway I think then we have to play a bit deeper because we know that he, unlike Konza and Mings, he just does not have any kind of recovery pace. And if you get him turned, running back towards his goal, you know, he's he's at the game. You know, he's not going to be able to catch anyone. He's not going to come back at you, which means the team, you know, was sitting, sitting deeper and I think that had other knock-on effects. So I think his lack of athleticism is probably, um, has probably held him back. But I do also think that... Um, you know, the cup runs. For example, in our early, the early in the season, we got knocked out to Stoke. That was a, a bad a bad day at, at the office. Um, and Engels was was injured for those early cup games. Obviously, the um, the COVID put paid to any chance we had of beating Liverpool, the uh, youngsters that us proud, but we got knocked out the FA Cup. So we've had no cup run, no games for him to come in. And when Konza was injured, I think Konza missed two or three or four games. Engels was out anyway, so how a horse comet came in, and um, we had uh, two two left footers. So um, the times where he would have had opportunities in the cup or when when uh, uh, Konza was injured, he's been injured, um, and, uh, uh, so he hasn't really had a, a chance. But you would say that um, I don't know. I'm not ready to give up on him um, necessarily, but um, if you'd imagine that he wants to play football, Bjorn Engels wants to play football, so you would imagine on that basis alone, you know, he'll be pushing for a move so he can um, restart his career because it looks like Cons is only going one way and um, Engels, I don't think, has the... the, the is I don't think he's going to displace Cons anytime soon from the Aston Villa side. No, absolutely. And yeah, like anyone, he needs to play football and, and maybe things haven't worked out for him the way he would have wanted, but there's a definitely a player in there. Um, so, I mean, look, hopefully he'll get some sort of, some sort of move or some sort of joy at some point in his career. Cause I'm sure he's a, he's a, he's a good lad and, um, and, and deserves a chance. Um, the, the next, um, you know, uh, category that we perhaps want to look at is, is the player, who you perhaps feel has, has improved most from last season. So, you know, who, who's the who's the guy that you feel has, has perhaps knuckled down and, and perhaps benefited from having Dean Smith as a coach, who we all know, you know, loves to improve players and get players moving on an upward trajectory. Um, so, you know, who's, who's your most improved player from last season? My uh, most improved player would be none other than Aston Villa left-back extraordinaire Matthew Target. Um, I think that, um, I think last year he was a boy playing in the Premier League, struggling, to be honest. Not all his fault because the team struggled, obviously, you know, (laughs) we survived by a point. So let's not forget that, you know, it's not easy to be a, a relative newcomer in the Premier League. Yes, he had some appearances here or there for 
Southampton, but he, he was never um, Southampton's first choice uh, uh, left back. He, that was always uh, Ryan Bertrand while Matt Target was there. So I would say that Matt Target is the most improved player. I think last season we saw players like Traore and um, St. Maximum, anyone with any kind of speed or, or mobility really had Target on toast. But this season, I think he's come back uh, fitter. I think he's come back stronger and I think he's just come back with a bit of a steely determination now. So he doesn't seem to go down injured and need to come off, you know. He seemed a bit delicate. He seems like a, a, a he's matured from a, from a, again from a boy to a man and I would just want to say that is coaching. Yes, we all we're going to credit the coach, we're going to credit Dean Smith. We know Dean Smith improves players. That's what he does. It's what he's been doing his whole yeah. career. And it's what he's going to continue to do. But yeah, John Terry, uh, Richard O'Kelly, um, you know, uh, old uh, shaky shaky Craigie Shakespeare. And um so credit to the coaches, but I think the most credit goes to Matt Target. I don't know if he's changed his uh, workout routine. I don't know if he's changed his um his diet. I don't know if it's just a, a pure mental thing. Maybe he's got, um, you know, a, a therapist or a sports psychologist he's working with. But whatever it is, a flip has switched with Matt Target this season. And he's absolutely unrecognisable. I think that people were annoyed. Villa fans were annoyed last summer that we had signed a right back when everyone was crying out for a new left back. Um, but whatever he did, um, Matt Target, kudos to you. You are for me, the most improved player and um, long may it continue. You know, speaking of injuries, you know, for, to the England team, if Ben Chilwell or Earl Shaw pick up an injury, Matt Target might be able to squeeze in yeah. uh, uh, Warnock style, Stephen Warnock style, I think. Managed to, <laughs> Stephen Warnock managed to squeeze into a World Cup squad, I'm, I'm sure, somewhere along the way. Yeah, he did, yeah. He yeah, did, so uh, you never know, Matt Target. Keep, keep, keep doing what you're doing. All it's going to take is a is an injury or or something, um, and and you could find yourself on that on that plane to the Euros. I think I think Matt Target is is definitely the shout. I mean, I did hear um, I, I believe it was Greg Evans the other day suggest that Matt Target is probably his player of the season. Um, I'm overall. not sure I'd go so, that I mean, far. That's, that's <laughs> a, well, it's a, it's a big shout, but I mean, you, you know that there is there might be something in that um, to some degree, but um, I think with with Target. Like you say, that the thing that's impressed me the most is his his new kind of toughness defensively. You know that that kind of steel that he's he's bring, brought to his game defensively, and you know he's, he's starting to probably not in the same way, but but similar. He's reminded me a little bit of Stuart Pearce, um, that kind of real sort of tough left back. He's got a lot of attributes going forward which of course Stuart Pearce sort of also had as well um he's probably more of a more of this era's kind of Stuart Pearce because you could never get away with what what Stuart Pearce used to get away with on a football pitch these days but um he's got he's certainly brought that to his game and I, I actually wrote a piece for Andrew Gaslit Lamp um at the start of the season sort of saying that I was a bit concerned about Matt Target because I didn't feel that he was doing enough really to hold down his place and he was only really in the side because we didn't really have a viable option aside from that and knowing what we know about you know Dean Smith's admiration of someone like Rico Henry I thought perhaps in January if things aren't going well with Matt Target that would be something that we looked at you know or, or if not Rico Henry then then some some other um Fall back to come in and, and push target a bit or replace him. 
Um, but we've just not needed to. You know, the, the investment that we've we've made in Target has, you know, stood firm and he's 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 really kind of gone on to another level. And talk, we talked about timing before in terms of angles, but Matt Target's been a bit unlucky with the fact that out of nowhere, Luke Shaw has come come back to um, to fitness and form, um, playing in the in the team that's you know probably the next best um, to Man City at the moment. So that's unfortunate because I'm sure you know with, without Luke Shaw, their target would have been in this England squad and probably looking like he'd be going to the Euros um, in the you know the form that he's had um, this season. So even when Villa have played badly over the last two months. Matt Target has been putting in seven and eight out of ten performances, I think, and you know, really kind of holding his end of the bargain up, as as many of the defenders have. Um, in fairness, so um, yeah, I, I I can't disagree. Um, I was sort of thinking about about this one, and obviously, you can make a case for for Esri Konza, but I think his his improvement started um, last season, really, um, after the restart in particular. Um, but I, th- I just think the, the, the change in, in that target has been, it's night and day. Um, he's gone from being a, a bit of a softy um, who who prefers to get forward and and, and get crosses into to someone who, who just seems to love defending and love loves getting in the way of tricky wingers and nullifying them. And uh, I just think that's great to see. Yeah, it, it is really great to see. And I think we were looking, I think we paid around £14 million for Matt Target, some, some, something in that neighbourhood. And I think that we were, lots of people were looking at that last year and thinking, well, this is, you know, Southampton have had us, had us now. But, you know, he is looking like a a really excellent, outside of, you know, outside of Chilwell and um, and Shaw. Again, Shaw has, has had a resurgence, so credit where it's due. Matt Target, I think, is the best English left back. I think he's slightly better than Cresswell, who's probably uh, the only another the comparable, comparable player. But what what Aston Villa have done defensively this season shouldn't be under 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 undermined. Fourteen clean sheets thus far, one less clean sheet than Manchester City. This level of clean sheets with ten games to go that that's not just Champions League kind of defensive form. That's could be challenging for the league defensive form. Yeah. Now, obviously, yeah. we've we're, no. I'm not saying that we are <laughs> should be challenging for the league or should be in the Champions League. I'm just saying those kind of numbers. If we can keep that next season and build our forward players, whew, it could be very, very exciting. And Matt Target has been a key key part of that. And I think that uh, Rico Henry. I would love to see Rico Henry um, come in in the summer. Not, again, not to replace Matt Target. I think that as we've spoken about with. Uh, you know, in, in, in previous weeks that it's not about replacing anyone at this point. It's about having competition for places. And um, I think Rico Henry is just the kind of player to replace Neil Taylor, who I think we all understand will be moving out the door. And, um, you know, long may long may this continue. Let's, let's have players fighting for the shirt. Let's have people under pressure to keep that shirt. And if you don't perform, just like the top clubs, you, uh, you have a seat on the bench for a couple of weeks. Definitely, I think I think that's that's what we're certainly what we're working towards, and we have we have had more of that this season. Although it's 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 still a work in progress, definitely, and that's that's something I guess when we when we come to the end of the season and we're we're summing things up and 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 doing the inquest, uh, you know, whatever level, then then that'll be something that that'll be looked at 
both with the fans and, and within the club, I think. Um, I mean, this, this might be the same, the same player, but, um, the, the next the next category is it's a slight step on. It's just the player that's perhaps surprised you the most this season. You know, it could be a, a new signing or or just someone who you thought maybe had kind of reached their peak and has has, has gone on to another level. Um, I think I I would probably be most surprised by the goalkeeper, um, Emmy Martinez. I think I obviously I not obviously at all, but um, he has not played much football in the Premier League he came in replaced Leno and played really really well and um, obviously I watched the FA Cup final and I watched Martinez and, you know, and he looked good and he looked good and I thought oh you know this was like a good keeper but I also thought you know quite honestly I'll hold my hands up I'm not going to pretend to be wise after the fact I was like well we've got Tom Heaton Tom Heaton's coming back Tom Heaton's a quality goalkeeper do we really need this guy and I was texting an Arsenal mate about him and I was like 20 million is that is that a lot and at the time the Arsenal mate was delighted he was like yeah we would have taken 10 in January you could have got him for 10 <laughs> he's like 20 million great you know for 20 million for a backup keeper he was delighted I can tell you that that Arsenal mate his name's John he is listening is no longer delighted <laughs> with that with that 20 million or 17 million rising to 20 million figure so I have to say I'm most surprised by Emmy Martinez I did not imagine that we were signing potentially the best Premier League goalkeeper Villa have ever had. And I don't say that lightly because we've had obviously the likes of Mark Bosnich and um, and uh, David James, Peter Schmeichel. Um, we've had some top, top players in between the sticks. We've had some awful ones as well, by the way. Mark Byrne, are you listening? Um, but we've had some <laughs> mighty, mighty good goalkeepers um, over the years in the Premier League. And I think that um, if Martinez carries along like this, which is a big if, but it's it seems possible because he is just entering the, his prime years he he is very he he is very close to being the best best goalkeeper in the league I, you know he, he's that good so i have to say i'm yeah. I, most surprised i'm so surprised with him i didn't i i knew he was he was a good goalkeeper just from seeing him at the end of last season i didn't understand he was an elite goalkeeper like he is mm. yeah again he's 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 He's, yeah, he's he's performing at a level that which I have no idea. And like you, I, I I actually said on here, I think, on this podcast that um, I don't know why why I when we signed him, I, I wasn't sure why we were signing him because we had we had Heaton and Steer and Neuland at the time that, and I thought, well, we've we've got enough to get us through at least until until Tom Heaton is back, and I felt like we'd signed. God, hundreds of goalkeepers um, in the in the few years in the pre preceding few years, and I just thought enough's enough. But it just shows. I mean, I I obviously know nothing about goalkeeping, um, and it, it it shows that because this guy um, has has been surprising, shocking, in fact, um, in a good way. Uh, how good he is, and and how competent he is in goal, and. It's you know that when you are surprised if he does something a bit daft like he did, um, you know in 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 the in the game against uh, Tottenham where he he fluffed a fluffed a kick and we we ended up conceding the goal. I mean it wasn't entirely his mistake that that goal, but he did his mistake did kind of lead to it. And when you see a goalkeeper 
make a mistake and you're surprised that he's made that mistake, that's when you know, I think, that you've got a goalkeeper because they all make mistakes. You can't, no one's going to sign a goalkeeper that doesn't make mistakes. And people can talk about Edison and, um, and, and not, not so much this year, but certainly Allison last season. Um, yeah, excellent goalkeepers, but they don't have an awful lot to do, really. They don't, it's not like Emmy Martinez, who's, who is, you know, as good as Villa are defensively, he is having to make an awful lot of saves and, and do, do an awful, he's, he's earning his, his wages, isn't he, every week? So, um, yeah, I've been immensely surprised and pleasantly surprised. The only caveat I would put on Martinez at this point is I, I want to see, how well he does um, when he's standing in front of a, a packed halt end because I've seen many a goalkeeper wilt um, under that under that pressure. He doesn't look like the sort that will, um, but if you think that his his good spell for for Arsenal and obviously this season for Villa um, have have all been pretty much in front of uh, no no crowds at all, so um, I think. Um, that will be the acid test of him, and if he comes through that. Um, but w- when he runs up to the halt end for the first time next season, when there is a full a full halt end, the the, the place is the, the roof's going to come off because he's he's already a hero at, at the club. Yeah, and I think that will help him. He'll, he's got money in the bank, you know. Um, even you know he he's had one bad game this season. I think we all remember the West Ham game where you know he, you know hand, and he held his hands up afterwards and said, yeah. Not not a good day at the office, which happens, you know. As you rightly say, Andy, no goalkeeper, not one, whether you're uh, Buffon or, or Manuel Neuer or Edison or Allison, no goalkeeper goes through the season without making a mistake. And as you are the last person in between the goal and the field, when a goalkeeper makes a mistake, it's in it almost invariably costs a goal. So, you know, it's 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 highlighted. So that's gonna happen. Um, but he's been incredible. But I do think he'll go to the whole end, as you say, with money in the bank. And I think that, you know, he, he's already gonna be a bit of a folk hero and um I think he's um I think he's got the mentality to to um keep this going and, and maybe even improve further because this is another trait that that that, that goes through the squad, you know, players like Ollie Watkins we've already spoken about, players like Matt Target, players like Esri Konza, players like Emi Martinez. There seems to be a real desire amongst the players in this Aston Villa squad to improve, which is a far cry from yesteryear where we had uh, players like Gabby who were not interested in improvement, you know, with the old shisha pipe and, you know, three stone overweight, um, Zogbier in his flowery suits, <laughs> you know, and others I could, others, others I can mention, who who didn't seem to have any inclination towards improvement. They were just on nice money, living a nice lifestyle, and and um, but these these players are cut from a different cloth. So that club, so, and, and that's that augurs very well for the club. Absolutely, and yeah, and and I mean, I'm, I have to say. Um, just to throw another another player into this category, um, we've spoke about him before. We, we don't need to dwell on it too much, but obviously Ollie Watkins, um, I think, has taken to the Premier League incredibly quickly. Um, I think there's, like you say, there's there's definitely more to come from him next season. Um, but there's just an aspect of his game really that that surprised me, and that's his strength. I didn't realise how. How, how strong he was um, with his back to goal, um, you know, holding the play up, you know, and, and, and bringing other other 
players into play and he's he's not only got that but he's got that that rapid pace to get behind defenses as well and um the only thing i think that's slightly disappointed me with 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 Watkins is is his finishing at times and we've we've talked about him being a bit unlucky and hitting the bar and the post and obviously having goals ruled out by VAR um but that's the only thing i suppose that's 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 been a, a slight dis- disappointment but really you know everything else that he's shown has has um has 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 overridden that. It's he's he's performed so well this season and and really taken to everything more than I thought he would. I have yeah, to say, I, yeah. I agree with you. I've also been surprised by Lee Watkins. I um I was most surprised probably in the Liverpool game, but then I I watched that whole game with my jaw on the floor, thinking I was <laughs> having some kind of out of body hallucination or something. Um, you know when he's he's scoring hat tricks and probably against and people forget as well. This wasn't this injury-ravaged Liverpool team that everyone else has been beating. We did that, and Ollie Watkins did that, against Virgil van Dijk, Gomez, uh, Trent, Robertson. You know, they're all there. So, um, you know, it was it was an entirely different thing. I think an honourable honorable mention also for uh, Matty Cash as the prize package. Again, uh, lots of people, myself included, right back, really? Hmm. And um, Matty Cash... Speaking of taking the Premier League like a duck to water, I think he's given away uh, some silly penalties and made some mistakes. So against, I think he gave one away against Man City, which he didn't need to do. He's given a penalty away last week against um, Tottenham, which which was a little bit, you know, I think Harry Kane has been uh, cute there, would be a nice way <laughs> to say it. Um, the other way to say it was he's, you know, he's deliberately uh, conned the referee. But anyway, um, we're talking about Matt Cash. Um so I think obviously there's been elements where he can improve, but goodness me, for again for for whatever he was, same probably similar type price to Matty Target, you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen million pounds, whatever it is. What a snip that is! I see that Liverpool are lining up a, a centre back today from um, from the Bundesliga, I think, for forty million, um, forty million pounds. So for us to get these players uh, at this kind of level, and again, cash will improve having had a, a Premier League season under his belt. Undoubtedly, yeah. Another great shout. And again, we get, those are probably the three the three that we've mentioned have been the success stories um, for um, Johan Langer's first uh, first summer with Villa. And he's, you know, Matt Cash is a... We, we saw how good... Sometimes you see how good a player is when they're not there and you're relying on their understudy. And um, I think we saw the... (laughs) As much as, yeah, Elmo is is up there in the promotion heroes. I I won't say a bad word about him from that perspective, but but of course he's um, he's, uh, struggled there a little bit and we've we've missed Matt Cash, um, even with a a great pro like Elmo stepping in. So, um, yeah, you you see what he's all about. And I think he's got more because... Um, he he can I think he can really sort of rampage more down that right hand side. I think he's he's perhaps held it slightly. Um, he's picked his moments and he has joined in and he's he's looked good. But I think 
you, you might see. And if if we get to a stage where we've got a more, we've got a bit of a stronger midfield, maybe, and a bit more, bit more confident in that area, I think you'll see Matt Cash really kind of buccaneering down that that right hand side for us next season. I hope so. And one thing, one area for him to to go away and improve, I think, will be his his final ball. I think I haven't been. I've I've seen I've seen enough that he, he has a final ball. But I think again, he's not necessarily in the places to to make that count. I think there was an occasion last week, wasn't it? He he'd got to the byline, and he's got two players to pick out, and I think he picked out a, little, a, a Tottenham defender. So I think just the final ball. But again, that's with repetition, and that's with having having more stuff. And also, I think I, I'm not sure Traore is allows him necessarily to be as marauding because Traore, I think, is. Um, defensively isn't always... I think he's got better, actually, Traore, so I'm not going to hammer him. He, he certainly is better. He's much more up to the speed of the league than he was at the beginning of the season. But I think that um, if you've got Trezeguet there in front of Cash, or in my dream scenario, Ollie Watkins there ahead of Cash, who's working hard and really backing him up, I think you, you we'll see more from him next season. And I think we'll see more from Traore next season. I think there's um, lots, of, lots of things to be... Um, excited about which I think we're going to talk about now <laughs> yes absolutely well that's the next category yeah so the, the player that that, that is ex- that you're most excited about for next season um, the player that you've seen seen enough of to, to kind of think yeah next season it's going to be a, a really a really great great season for them I mean it might be an academy player maybe uh, who's going to break through or just someone around the first team who you think could could make it big next season. Well, I'm not sure who, who your player is, but my player hasn't played at all this season. My player is a big six foot three uh, piece of granite Brazilian international centre forward <laughs> by the name right, of okay. Big Wesley Moraes. Um, yes, this is a player that I am most excited to see next season. Um, lots of caveats here. Lots of caveats with Wesley. Um, uh, and before I get carried away on my, my my excitement train, I will say this guy has had a career-threatening injury. He's been out for coming up to 15 months now. Um, he's definitely not going to be at his best uh, this season. I think that's for sure. He may not be at his best ever again. You know, let's be frank about it. Ben Mee snapped his leg in half. And the only thing probably going for Wesley is because he was so young, you know, 21, 22, you know he he had he has the opportunity to recover if if Ben Mee puts that challenge in on a on a 32 33 year old player that's probably the end of the road but um Wesley's young enough to come back he's strong enough to come back he looked wonderful in those training ground photos that Aston Villa <laughs> released um yeah made me want to put down my uh, cinnamon swirl and get to the gym <laughs> so, which is yeah, I good think, i think i think i think he might need a the, the next size up in the shirt. <laughs> he might just need the best next size up. So um, I'm going to make the case for Wesley next season um, on, on this basis. I think he was 21, 22, let's say, 22 years old when he signed. He's a club record signing. He doesn't speak the language. He's moving to a new country. We know that he was a father at 15 and he's got all these other external things going on. He's coming to into a team which is really relegation fodder, as it turned out. Um, he's getting long balls kind of lumped into him. Um, I think we saw flashes in particularly the Everton game and particularly the game, ironically, where he got injured against Burnley. And in pre-season as well, we saw some, some, some good stuff from him. 
I've seen enough from Wes, and I know that I know that there will be people listening to this podcast that are that didn't like Wesley beforehand, and and, and now definitely don't like him considering he's coming back from this major injury. But I would like to think in a fluid front three with Jack Grealish and Ollie Watkins that Wesley could do some serious, serious damage. The work rate of, of Watkins and Wesley is actually comparable. I think someone did an article uh, recently. I can't cite them because I don't have it written. Uh, but their their numbers, their output in terms of pressures and stuff are, are comparable. Watkins is much better at it, mind you, but, but Wesley is, was not this lazy lump uh, kind of hanging around waiting for service. He was working hard for the team. Um, so I think the idea of having a fluid front three and the fact that Wesley likes to drop deep and get in the, you know get involved in the in the play and also then Watkins can fill in gaps and and we can have people popping up all over the place and Wesley was good on the ball good touch for a big man as they say uh, you know powerful in the air although I think his heading you know could be an area for improvement so I'm just excited to see um, I mean uh, in my time as a as an Aston Villa fan. We have never had a club record signing Brazilian international number nine just coming back from injury. So to me, that's exciting. And I'm excited to see what happens with Wesley next season. Yeah, I mean, you, you make a great case. I mean, I suppose the counter argument is that we might sign Tammy Abraham and he'll be sold. But um, <laughs> there's, there's every chance. <laughs> well, way, to, way to piss on my chips. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, you, you make a great, and but I think a lot, a lot will, a lot might hinge on the last ten games for Wesley, and <clears throat> if he does get his chance to play, certainly with Jack Grealish um, and Ollie Watkins, then then you know we'll see, we'll see. Hopefully, you know we, we, we will, and we won't need to sign an, another striker possibly. Um, well, I, I I think we need to sign another striker anyway. Just let me make that right. clear. <laughs> But okay. <laughs> I, 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 we need, we still need an, another striker. I would loan out Keenan Davis, give him a year in the championship to see what he can do. I would need to sign another striker for sure. Yeah. Um, so, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think whenever you get a player like like Wesley, you know, coming back or any player coming back, you, it's exciting. It's nice to see. Um, it's been a hell of a long road for him. And he deserves any success that he gets just from keeping his head down and and and, and getting on with it because it must have been um, absolute purgatory at times for him. Um, so really delighted to see him back playing playing a match. Um, Forty five minutes um, last week against it's a uh, behind closed doors training game um, against West Brom and he played forty five minutes and it's it's brilliant to see and. Um, I really hope that he's involved on on Sunday. Um, you know, maybe he'll, he'll be on the bench, and we might get to see him. Because um, yeah, at the end of the day, he's he's our, he was our first ever Brazilian player. Um, so that's 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 something that's something great, I think. And you know, good luck to him, man. I hope he I hope he comes back and makes his mark in the in the next ten games. I think um, for my one that that's. I'm, I'm most excited about, and this is this might this might sound strange, but I'm I'm going to say him again, John McGinn, because I think I think next season is his his crucial season. I think he's got to he's got to go up a level, and he's got to show us that he can be a, a top six Premier League player. Um, we all think he can, and we're all sure that he's he's got that ability. Um, but I think having a, a season 
where he's, you know, that injury is behind him, you know, a full summer, because none of them really had a full summer last season, uh, last last summer. Are you saying that um, Scotland are going to get knocked out nice and early, so he'll have a nice break? Right, it will be, he'll be, he'll be back before the middle of June, there's no doubt. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, and, 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 and I think, I think uh, we're going to see, we're going to see, the, the, the proper meatball man next season I think it's going to be it's going to be his season and uh, he'll be you know maybe he'll he'll be the man that steps into that that more attacking midfield role um, once Ross Barkley has departed and and, um, and 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 we'll see we'll see the best of him again hopefully I thought we decided last week that was going to be Julian Draxler well, he's 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 on he's he's on the shortlist. He's on the shortlist. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure Langer's got the memo yet, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, that that would be that would be a dream scenario, obviously. Um, no, I I agree with you. I think I'm excited for John McGinn. I think that he, he you're right. I think actually there is pressure for him now. He has to step up next season, otherwise, um, you know this this filler train is a moving. And um, like we've said all along, if you if you're not going to step up, you you got to step aside. So I think that um, another season like this for John John McGinn, we'll see him, we'll see his place in the first team in jeopardy, which it seems like is, a mad he, thing to say, right? Yeah, but he's he's not stupid. Um, he's he'll have seen Conor Horahan being moved out. He's seen um, Morgan Sanson come in. You know the club aren't standing still. They they they're not they're not. Um, you know that playoff final goal will only get him so far now. And I think he has to be he has to be showing that he can he can mix it in the top six of the Premier League. And I think I think he can. I think he can. It's just he's 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 got to deliver it now. And whatever's been going on this season, hopefully, won't be an issue next season. And he this season will be. A, more of a springboard for next season, then we'll be looking back and just thankful that we've got we've got our John McGinn back. And um, because although, like we say, he's been there, he's played the games, he's been reliable to an extent, and he's not been quite the same. Um, well, I, and I want to see him back. I I do as well, but I think that this all you know Villa moving forward and 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 the recruitment team being so eager really ties into this this news that we've had this week about FFP. And that being uh, scrapped in a, at least in its current form. Um, now, I've never been a fan of, of FA, FFP. I thought it was really designed as protectionism to kind of uh, you know the, the teams like uh, you know jacked up uh, financial doping teams, as Wenger coined it, like Man City and Chelsea, who would otherwise probably be somewhere in the uh, you know bottom reaches of the Premier League, have been able to get to the top with artificial investment and it's and it looks like they want to pull up the ladder behind them and say okay no more you can't do this anymore stop stop this kind of investment so um no one else can catch them and then you've got you know big clubs like Everton now is stepping up big clubs like Leeds big clubs like Aston Villa uh you know you've got Sheffield Wednesday still in the championship uh, European Cup winners Nottingham Forest you know there's other there's other teams that historically have been at the party have been at the top table who these this cabal of top six clubs are trying to say no we are because we're at the top right now we must be at the top forevermore so um i think the cancellation of ffp or the reworking of ffp we don't know what the new laws look like i will stress that 
but this could be an incredible opportunity for Aston Villa to leapfrog the competition, knowing that so many clubs are struggling financially, knowing Arsenal are taking out loans, Manchester United even are taking out loans, you know, to cover some of these these losses that they're they're experiencing, and Villa are ploughing ahead. What an incredible opportunity this could be this summer to really go wild if that is what you know Wes Edens and Nasef Suarez want to do. Well, absolutely. I mean, we we heard from Mark last week, didn't we, about um, about his his sort of insight into into Wes Edens and you know these these are smart businessmen. They're not going to splash the cash ridiculously, though. But they've employed you know good people um, beneath them to to who know the game and and who have a good reputation in the game to to make sure that their money is well spent and. It might be a good. It might be a good summer to, to really kind of capitalise on the on the situation. Not that I want to talk about taking advantage of a you know a massive global crisis. That's that's not what we're we're, we're talking about here. But we're talking about obviously, you know, the, the situation as it stands within football and and Aston Villa have been have have been ran really well for the last. Um, Two or three seasons, and 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 we're maybe in a position to to kick on again, and and hopefully close the gap or, or or leapfrog some of those those teams ahead of us. Yeah, I think I think I think we can hope so, and I think that um, I think that there is um, you know there's reason there's reason for you know steely optimism from all Aston Villa fans with these uh, with these serious people that we have in charge of our football club these days. Absolutely, but. Um, I mean, obviously, we've got another ten games to get through before the exciting, hopefully, the exciting summer with the Euros and and Aston Villa's transfer business um, comes online. Um, so, in the remaining ten games, we've 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 pretty much secured our safety, I think, now, and we can probably agree that maybe the European hopes of drifting over the horizon as we as we speak now. Um, but what sort of things are you looking for for the last ten matches? Um, what 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 do you think will lead us into the summer feeling quite excited for next season and, and hopeful that, that things will be even better um, come August? Well, I honestly think that um, going into the last ten games, we have an opportunity to really look back at the progress that we've made thus far and then also think about the progress that we can make moving forward. Now, in the last 10 games, as you said, I think that um, I think that Europe is, Europe is you're barring an incredible run. Europe is probably gone. Obviously, we know that we're safe. Um, a, top ta- a top of the table finish would be ideal. But I do think that this is a great opportunity for Aston Villa now to blood some of the youngsters. And I'm not saying just put them in for the sake of it, but we've got... Um, Carney uh, Chukwemenka, we've got Louis Barry, uh, Philogene Bidace, and maybe um, Jacob's younger brother Aaron, who scored a couple of lovely goals um, in the uh, in the FA Cup uh, FA Youth Cup last week. Maybe we can see, maybe we won't see all of those before the end of the season. Maybe that's unrealistic. But I just wanted to actually, as we're talking about the Villa Villa players, there the, the Villa youth players, I just just want to have a little bit of a sidebar and talk about the uh, the. Uh, the plight of A.D. Boothroyd in England under-21 teams. Now, all the players I just mentioned are England youth internationals, which means on their current trajectory, on the, they're, they're on the way to being picked for the England under-21s. 
I do not want these players, <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> anywhere near A.D. Boothroyd. Um, there was a thing going around on Twitter yesterday about the squads that Boothroyd has failed with at the, the last two championships. The 2019 England squad, Dean Henderson, Esri Konza, Tomori, Wambisaka, Harvey Barnes, Hamza Chowdhury, Phil Foden, James Madison, Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Damari Gray, to, to name a few finished with one point in the group stages and then somehow some miracle i know this is this is this is i don't understand how he's managed to keep his job i mean i don't know how that could be characterized as anything but a failure and then the same again this year ramsdale Ahrens, uh, ben godfrey sessignon tanganga what a player he is by the way eze uh, conor gallagher curtis jones from liverpool dwight mcneil premier league regular uh, mason greenwood from man united hudson adoy uh, eddie nketia uh, emil smith rowe now this is and this guy he's done it again he's lost two out of two and not not had a single shot on target um not had a single shot on target um for two games I do not want our Villa players at this crucial stage of their development. I want them around Mark Delaney. I want them around Dean Smith, John Terry, Shakespeare. I don't want them around people like A.D. Boothroyd. And maybe I'm overreacting here, but I think it's so important for their pathway that they work with good coaches and they work with people who, you know, progressive football people who are going to train them in the right way. And I just don't, like the fact it really winds me up as you can probably tell that A.D. Bruthroyd is in charge of the under 21s of what is potentially our next golden generation the first group of players we've had in maybe 20 years who could actually win something are being given to this this philistine and I don't understand why well I, I think it's it's interesting I mean when you look around the Premier League and so much effort is put into into the academies all around the Premier League and, and other, you know, obviously lower leagues as well. Um, you know, and, and good people are put in charge of these these youngsters um, to to aid their development. But the FA haven't don't don't take that on board at all. They they continue with this guy who was a failure as a manager. You know, he, I think he did well with Watford, but he's been a failure as a manager ever since. And I, I just don't understand what the FA see in him. Um, you know, and it goes completely against the whole the whole philosophy that that, that was behind Gareth Southgate getting the, the England job. The whole reason for Gareth Southgate getting the England job was to to transition those players from the team he had um, with the under twenty ones and and other um, under under um, age group teams that have been successful into the first team, and that's his job. But you can't do that if you've got a guy running the next the next level down who just hasn't got a clue and doesn't know how to harness the talent that he has at his disposal. It's like I say, it's thankfully it doesn't seem like it's a problem that Aston Villa have, um, and hopefully these players will come through, come through anyway. But it, yeah, absolutely, I think a lot of people are, are scratching their heads at the moment um, in the national media and so on as to how how this guy's still in a job. And 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 I want to make it clear, I, I agree with everything you said. This is nothing personal. I don't know A.D. Boothroyd, um, you know, from Adam. I'm sure he's a lovely, lovely guy. Um, but professionally, I don't think there's any way you could characterise his reign as anything but a spectacular failure. And I don't know why these mediocre people 
keep being rewarded for failure. Um, you know, he's he's the custodian of of a golden ticket here, of of generational talent coming through, and he's 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 not even close to being right for the job. And that that and that scares me again as a Villa fan because we have we have the most exciting. I don't remember having. I remember there was there's always one or two players in the academy, right? You know, over over the over my Aston Villa fandom, you know, there was always a Darren Byfield or a Darius Vassell or a Gabby Agbonlahor or a Lee Hendry or a Jack Grealish or a um, O'Hare or um, Carruthers. You know, there's always been someone who one or two in the team, in the youth squads that, that there was a little bit of a buzz about the Moore brothers, of course, um, as well. I don't remember us having four, five, six, seven of them. All at one time. No, and that, and that's that's just in the twenty threes, really. I mean, you can go below that. They invested heavily, didn't they, in the you know the under eighteens um, over the summer. The likes of Crisene and Bogard came in, um, who I think have both signed pro deals now. And I mean, you know, you just look at that future, and it, it just looks so good. And they won't all make it, obviously. That and you know, because because that that's never the case, but. You know, if that's the level that that, that we're that we're we're working with at the moment, um, but the pressure will be on Mark Delaney because quite often these guys, you know, get in these roles and they stay in these roles, coaching youth teams for for for, for years and years. Um, but the pressure will be on Delaney and, and and other managers. They're being looked at closely, and if 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 they're not if they're not doing their job. They they will be they will be out the door and replaced. There's there's no question about that. Um, it's not the easy easy job that um, or the jobs for the boys perhaps that um, that it has been in the past. I think. Well, I think I, I hope so. But but to go back to your original question after that long <laughs> tangent, uh, yeah, that would excite me going into the last uh, ten matches and um, you know seeing some of those youth players. Um, getting you know some minutes, seeing Wesley get some minutes, and I think that we have to have um, uh, we have to have better results. Obviously, going into the last game, ten games of the season, I think with Jack Grealish back, you know we will. I think he will lift us. Um, but you know, I think I looked at the fixtures. I, I I can see us down for another three wins at least. I think we should beat Fulham. I think we should beat Albion, and I think we should beat Crystal Palace. And then if we get another, um, you know, another couple of draws on top of that with some of the tougher games that takes us into the plus 50 point territory which I think is you know any any reasonable Villa fan would have bitten your hand off and I think if we get over that 50 point mark um, I think that we will have um, real optimism next season um, you know for for the um, for the for the next campaign well my, I mean my um, my thing that I'm I'm hoping for over the next two months is off the field. <laughs> I I check every day to see if they're releasing season tickets for next season yet. <laughs> I just can't wait. I just want to get that season ticket booked up for next year and get my seat. And I just really, really hope. But I, obviously, I know there's there's difficulties around that at the moment, and and how quickly they can they can do things, and they probably want to wait and make sure that the the process of um, the, the general kind of easing of restrictions around the country is 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 um is going ahead as planned as and as hoped. Um, 
but I just want to be back in that whole tent. <laughs> I really do. And uh, I'll tell you what, the day I buy that that season ticket, uh, I think I'll uh, I'll be a happy man, um, even though I'll be £500 or whatever de- uh, down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it'll be, it'll, it'll certainly be worth it. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's going to be wonderful when people can be back in the stadium. I mean, this is, um, you know, the fans the life, are the lifeblood of any Premier League club and none more so than Aston Villa. And I think getting those those um, fans back through the door, you know, I think it's going to be emotional, you know, for lots of people. Yeah. It's going to be a really yeah, emotional I, day. I think it could well be. I might have to uh, take a pack of Kleenex. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or at least a, a very absorbent scarf, maybe. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so... Just getting on to Sunday then briefly. Um, obviously, Villa travel to um, to, to West London uh, this Sunday to take on relegation threat in Fulham. Um, Fulham are staging something of a, a, a comeback under Scott Parker of uh, recent weeks. They, they they did look dead and buried a while back, um, but now they're looking to chase down Steve Bruce's Newcastle. Um, I'm sure it'll be a very different test to the one, one we had on the, the second game of the season back in September. When we uh, we beat them comfortably three 0 at Craven Cottage, but it feels like a quite a big game for Villa as well after the the recent run, and we've all seen the pictures today of, of Jack Grealish returning to training. Um, you know, and it's it's now a chance over the next ten games to to show that um, Villa still have their boots on and they're not they're not uh, they haven't got their flip-flops on waiting ready waiting at, um, for their their summer holidays um, and working towards a, a top eight or ten finish um, what are your thoughts on this one um, how do you see this one going um, I think it's got to be an Aston Villa win I think that we, as we've spoken about today I think that um, Ollie Watkins Jack Grealish maybe even Konza and Target and Mings you know we've got half the team playing for their international um, you know call-ups in, in, in the summer um, maybe only John McGinn um, off the top of my head is a player who is going to probably be picked by Scotland regardless uh, the other Villa players um, you know Mings is probably definitely in as well but the other Villa players certainly Watkins certainly Target certainly Konza certainly Grealish they're going to have to perform they have to play and they have to play well and that means beating teams you should beat and we should be beating Fulham I don't want to I'm 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 going to be very resistant to any excuses <laughs> um, after the run that we've had. Um, Grealish is going to be back. Uh, we're going to have a full team. Wesley, as you say, might even be on the bench. Uh, Fulham are not very good. Yes, they've had an upturn in form, but that's like uh, uh, you know they're still I think three or three or six points adrift. At, uh, you know, in the bottom three, they're not a very good team. I think their last result, two uh, one against Leeds. Leeds could have won that four or five. Uh, they then lost 3-0 to Man City. You know, fair enough, everyone loses 3-0 to Man City. Then they, they had a win against Liverpool, well done. And um, they lost to Tottenham as well. So it's not like they're flying. Um, Fulham are a team that are, you know, I think it's either them or Newcastle are going down. And we should be beating them. Um, no excuses. Full team. Um, lots of our international players um, haven't gone away. The likes of Douglas Louise and um, Emmy Martinez, no long haul international flights. So absolutely no excuses. Three points on Sunday, please, Aston Villa. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to disagree with any of that. And obviously you do get some strange results at this time of the season, but this is the time now for, for Villa to to start recovering from their from their slump and, and really 
Dean Smith always says his teams finish strongly. Well, you know, now's the time to show it. Just as they did last season and how they did the season before that. Um, as we come into spring, and as Steve Bruce would say, you can smell the hot dogs. Um, and, <laughs> I thought and, it was and, the daffodils. <laughs> well, yeah, when the daffodils come up and where you can smell the hot dogs, that's, <laughs> that's what he says. I mean, I, I don't know what planet he lives on, to be honest. But yeah. <laughs> but um, but this is when, when Dean Smith um, has come into his own in previous seasons at Villa. So um, let's hope this is the case. And he's got his star man back. There's no excuses from an attacking perspective. Um, Ollie Watkins and John McGinn will be absolutely bouncing when they get, when they get back into the camp as same with Mings, you know, and the other, the other players should be nice and refreshed and, and ready to go. So yeah, um, I don't see any reason why Fulham should be beating us on our own patch. And, um, I think I'll start the prediction this time as we if we finish now and um I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for two nil. Comfortable two nil win for Villa. I'm gonna say three one. Um Jack Grulish on the score sheet, Ollie Watkins, and then um I think Ezri Cons has due a goal from a corner. We might yeah, score lovely. a goal from a corner before the end of the season tomorrow. <laughs> Sunday could be the could be the time. You know that it'll if we score a header from a corner, it'll be one of the little ones when it'll be Douglas Louise or someone <laughs> <laughs> coming in at the back post. Maybe um, marvellous. <laughs> yeah, marvellous header from a corner. I'll take that. Um okay, so yeah, looking forward to that and, and, and obviously looking forward to to reflecting on that next week with yourself, Craig, and and um and hopefully we're talking about the first win for for some time and and we can um get back to winning ways and, and finish the season strongly. Well, th- thanks for joining me today, Craig, for that. I really enjoyed going through that and, and analysing the season a little bit from, from and having a bit of a review. I thought that was a, a good way to spend the international week. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, we are on uh, Twitter, Instagram and, and Facebook. Just look us up and, and, and give us a like. Um, or head over to the, the website under a gaslitlamp.com and have a look at all the latest articles that cover the, the first team, the academy teams, and of course the Villa women as well. Um, other than that, I hope you're having a, a good a good week and I'll see you next week and stay safe and up the Villa.